0: hey everybody welcome to episode two of the michigan high school football podcast this is state champs extra point my name is lauren Plant. i am joined by scott bernstein and matt mowry and we are presented by lawrence technological university let me tell you something people there is a push going on right here At the home of the Blue Devils for 200 athletes to join this great institution. If you think you've got what it takes to play college athletics, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, whether it's soccer, volleyball, you name it, men and women, recruit yourself. Do it now at ltuathletics.com. We also thank the Michigan High School Athletic Association for being here. They're trying to uh, talk about recruiting. They need officials. We're going to play you a spot later in the show. But uh, right now, go to mhsa.com and if you can be an official, and I'll tell you what, you guys can both chime in on this. I mean, it's a good gig to be a high school official. I mean, it's part-time work. It's good money. You get to kind of stay involved in the game. I'm surprised nowadays, and maybe, again, maybe it's just lack of awareness, and I realize they do get a little bit of, you know, abuse, but in the end, it's it's a great gig, and it seems like something that would be a no-brainer if you what, if you want to stay in sports. What I've noticed is it's very fraternal. I mean, those guys
1: are like a uh, like a family. Yeah. All those guys uh, that and that gals. The so There's Lots right. of women now doing it too. And uh, you know, I see those guys out and uh, just they do a great job. That they, they, they're uh, you know they're salt of the earth. And you know, I think uh, it's something that you know it is a great opportunity for people that want to stay involved and and that aren't you know don't want to coach, but but still want to be involved. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great thing.
0: What do you think, Matt?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You, you see the same, and like Scott said, it, it's kind of a fraternity. You end up seeing the same officials over and over and over again. So you'll have like sometimes, if especially if you're standing on the baseline like I am, you know, shooting basketball games right. Or, right. or like you are, Lauren. You, you end up having these running conversations with, with guys over like a year span where you, you know, you see them every week or so. And, you know, you do see – Especially in some of the smaller towns, like Jim Weimer, who used to be the uh, sports editor out in Port Huron who just passed away recently, he was an official too whenever he could be, and he was an official for, I think, 30-some years uh, doing basketball, but you'd see him all the time, all over the place. So I know all of those kids, if they didn't know him from his job as sports editor, certainly knew him from his job as official.
0: Absolutely. The bottom line is guys, a lot of them are aging out. They're just getting too old to do it. Uh, this is a job you can begin, you know, in your 30s and you can do it well into your 60s. So it's something that you can feel really good about and uh, make some good money on the side. Make as really as much money as you want. They'll give you as much as you want to work if you're good. And it really is not that difficult to get yourself certified. Go to mhsae.com. They'll tell you all about it. All right, what we want to get into right here off the bat These are games that are featured on the State Champs Michigan channel. And when I say channel, I mean Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, our website. Uh, You can uh, download our app to check out our State Champs Michigan show that has all the highlights that we do, not just football. But these are the football games that we covered this weekend. I will just kind of quickly go over those. And then Matt and Scott, you guys can certainly jump in and talk about uh, comments as to how these turned out. Uh, first off, Burton Bendel lost at Ann Arbor. Richard thirty to nothing. We had a lot of blowouts again here in week two. It's wild. Allen Park lost a close one at Woodhaven, sixteen to eight. Fortson got bombed by Belleville, sixty-nine to nothing. It was like fifty-six nothing at half. The half took
1: like the first half took like two hours. Just uh, stunning. I, I was scratching my head at, at that, especially considering what Belleville had been through in week one against Stevenson.
0: Right. Right. And Matt, I'm even yeah. hearing that, you know, like Belville was getting super upset, you know, about what, not, I mean, uh, Fortson was getting super upset about what Belva was doing, like running it up uh, yeah. and seven and, touchdown and, passes yeah. by the notorious CDR. Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Uh- those those are the kind of losses that hurt, certainly, when you're on the receiving end of them. But I think it was it was almost as much a, a statement from Belville. Like you said, Scott, I don't know that they were super impressed with themselves the way they played in the first week against Stevenson. And take nothing away from Stevenson. That's going to be a solid team. And we mentioned in the preseason that I think the KLAA... The 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 other teams, other than Fordson and Belleville in that East Division, have probably come up a little bit toward the top. But Belleville really wanted to kind of point out, I think, that they're still the top dogs in this in this. Division And certainly, Fortson has been, in the years that those two teams have been in this league, have been right behind them the whole time. And, and this was, like you mentioned, not even close. And, and Christian Dureed, you know, he, he's been in our, our Mr. Football conversation. He certainly put a stamp on his uh, legitimacy as a candidate with seven touchdown passes in this game.
1: All this kid does is... Throw touchdown passes. It remi- I, I might and be dating win. myself. I might be dating myself a little bit, but for the, for all for all you sports center nuts from back in the '90s <laughs> and early 2000s, there was a running joke about Chris Carter who's now an analyst, right. and Chris Carter had some oh, some yeah, had some had stat line through his pro career where, like, every third pass he caught was a touchdown. Right, yeah. So they used to say, all this guy does he's is catch, catch touchdown, touchdown passes. Well, that's what it's like been watching. That's what it's been like to watch uh, Christian Dury the last four years. I mean, the kid's just a, a, a human stat machine, um, and I think he'll be a great – Quarterback at a Division three, yeah, or or even a Division two school, yeah. Um, and I think he's one of these kids that that presents great value. I know there's a lot of people at Belleville wondering where the
0: offers are, and you know sometimes, uh, you know, recruiting's
1: a slow burn. Um, and he's certainly
0: on the smaller side yeah. in colleges. You know, nowadays they are all they are so stuck to a formula that you know even uh you know guys who you know, you, you would think are tremendous talents. You know, if you're a tight end, for instance, at a D one level, you're not six, five or taller. They're just not going to look at yeah. you. I don't care how good you are. So yes, uh, I think that, uh, he has he definitely can sl- he can sling it, man. He has he can more to prove it. at the next level, yep. wherever that may be. Harper Woods lost at Notre Dame prep 35 to 14. A shout out their quarterback, Jacob Benson, um, who, because NDP's
1: not in a league, um, they've been, they've been able to. They've kind of slipped through the cracks in terms of coverage the last couple of years. And, and this is a, this is a program that's, that's a juggernaut. I mean, they got to the regionals in Division Four last year. Um, And I think they're a team that, you know, can compete for a a trip to the Division Four state finals this season. Um, Jacob Benson is is a gunslinger and and someone that uh, is getting a lot of interest from GLIAC schools. And, you know, if you're someone who loves quarterback play, if you're someone that's, you know, looking to identify that that next great signal caller, get out and see Jacob Benson.
2: All right. Well, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say they brought a lot back from last year's ten win squad, and they only lost once to a team in Michigan, which was in that regional finals game against Flint Powers. And, and I think the fun thing with Notre Dame Prep is kind of I, I know when we use the transitive property, everybody rolls their eyes because you know it doesn't really always play out that way. But in the week one, they beat a Division one team in Heritage, thirty eight to Man. nothing. That Heritage team, yeah, turned around the next week and lost to a very good Division two Midland team. 42 to 20. A Harper Woods team that they beat, you know, this past week 35 to 14, lost a 21-12 team game to Catholic Central in week one. And that's a Catholic Central team that's a D1 team that we've got in our top 25. So right. it, they're playing good teams and they're beating good teams pretty badly. This this is gonna be interesting to watch. Next up for them is a country day team, obviously, yep. that went to the D4 finals. And they're in the same district this year, so that'll yep. be interesting.
0: Two independents, yep,
1: going at yep. it. That'll be interesting. Well, yeah. and Pat Fox has been around forever, yeah. dating back to when nice. I was in high school with Berkeley. Uh, then he was at Milford, and now he's got the NDP program, and and they're they're primed.
0: All right, uh, another team that might be primed after what they did: Muskegon Mona Shores wow. beat Muskegon on the road. 21 to 14 every year, Matt, we kind of go into this matchup and uh, we think that, you know, hey, this is one of those throw the records, you know, out the window because it's Mona Shores and Muskegon. Muskegon's been generally getting the better of this exchange, but uh, not on Friday night.
2: Yeah, I think this is just the fourth or fifth time in the history of the rivalry between the two teams that Mona Shores has beaten them. I think they had a five game losing streak against Muskegon. It's just, it's one of those where no matter how good Mona Shores has been, this has always been kind of the measuring stick. Yeah, you made it to the finals, but. Right. Yeah, you want to stay title, but. Well, now the butt is gone because they went into Hackley and they they beat. Muskegon on their home turf and that's got to that's as much as anything that's gone so well for Mona Shores over the last four or five years you know under Matt Kozak that's got to feel as good as almost anything is being able to say yeah we don't have that monkey on our back anymore
0: absolutely that's one of those games it's kind of like and we're going to talk about CC Rice a little bit later in the program here but (laughs) if you win that game that's the one that you're going to remember in the community hey man we beat you guys in 2020 uh, Croswell, Lexington, won at Richmond, 36 to nothing. So a blanking there. Sterling Heights, Stevenson went to two and oh one at Dakota, 12 to seven, two weeks in a row yep. now that they've beat divisional opponents and they've beat them by the slimmest of margins. Yep. Biagio, Madonna, the
1: quarterback, Jordan Ramsey, the running back. Obviously everyone knows about uh, Gianni, um, on the line. Yep. But, uh, you know, this Stevenson team, you know, last year they surprised people with that state tournament run. They didn't do great in league play, but uh, they're flipping the script on that in in 2020. And they got a lot of returners back from that Final Four team, and they're playing with a lot of swagger.
2: We always talk about how much a team gets tested when they run through a gauntlet of a league, whether it's the OAA, CHSL, whatever. And we know that that Mac Red is going to be that gauntlet, but when you're winning – Playoff type games from the get go. That's a good sign. I mean, these aren't these aren't fluke wins. These are ones where they're winning, you know, with defense and they're winning with special teams. And it it's that's going to be a team. And it's it was still a young team when it kind of got on fire in the playoffs last yes. year. And watching them this year is going to be fun.
0: Absolutely, Jordan Ramsey.
1: I just want to just reiterate go Jordan ahead. Ramsey. Their tailback, uh, just a license to thrill. And, and this is a kid that. I think by the end of this year, we'll have a lot of uh, scholarship offers and a type of kid that has a big upside at the next level.
0: Yes, Chuck, our producer and engineer, agrees wholeheartedly, Mm -hmm. shaking his head all right. Flint Kearsley lost at Fenton, fifty to fourteen. So the Tigers rolling. Frankenmuth won on the road at Saginaw Swan Valley, thirty-five to six. I went into this one thinking, you know, Swan Valley and Frankenmuth both really good programs. Both teams that have had, uh, you know great talents uh, over the last several years. Uh, Frank and Muth, uh, Matt, this is a team now that year in, year out is saying we are a contender and we are going to, uh, we're going to make a run uh, at something every year.
2: Yeah, and it was a couple years ago when, when Swan Valley really put it on um, on Frankenmuth. I think it was fifty-six to twenty, something like that. And in In twenty eighteen, last year's game, I think was a three point game. But with kind of the the moving around of the different parts of the Tri Valley Conference, it's been you know kind of a wait and see to see you know how how things were going to shake out and how the rivalries were going to go. But you're right, this is always one of those small school ones that you want to see. And yet, Frankenmuth has been a dreadfully consistent program. They haven't last... They haven't won less than nine games since 2011. I mean, that's right. a program that's there year in and year out. And this might be one of those signals that maybe this is one of those years, you know, you know they've had some decent runs in the playoffs, but now right. they've been past the re since 2017. This might be that year.
0: Right, right, right. I'm 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 feeling you there. Uh, Montague beat Muskegon Oak Ridge at Oak Ridge, forty two to six. Drew Collins, baby. That is a quarterback that you need to know about from Montague. Yeah. Montague um, always making you talk about runs in the playoffs, always deep runs. Drew Drew Collins is cash money, baby. Yeah, there you go. Nagani up, up north, lost a close one at Gladstone, 22-20 in eight-man football. Engadine lost at Rep- Rapid River, forty eight. it might be Engadine or Engadine, I apologize. Engadine. Okay, thank you. Uh, lost at Rapid Engadine River, Engadine. Four, 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 48-6. to And Sault Ste. Marie won at Marquette, 22-16. Those are the games that we were featuring on State Champs Michigan. So those are highlights that you can check out on any of our channels. Now, a uh, couple games that uh, we attended, uh, this weekend in the southeast michigan area uh, talk about your friday night uh, contest uh, friday at friday
1: night i went and saw stony creek uh visit north farmington and come out with a a big win and uh stony creek is a sleeper man you, you know keep an eye on those guys out of rochester um they got cam boom boom burford Who's their uh, their starting <laughs> running back? He had a ginormous game against North Farmington. Uh, ran for 220 yards, scored six touchdowns, five on the Jeez. ground, uh, and caught one. Uh, Might have to, to be some Mister Football looking there. Uh. Yeah, he, you know, this is a kid that that uh, was in the shadows last year. Ran for a thousand yards as the second option. Um, this year, he's he's the feature back, and uh, he gets the lion's share of the carries and. Um, you know he's one of these kids that can you know go in between the tackles and he's fast enough to 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 get the corner and, and uh hit the sideline and beat teams to the to the edge um yeah this team has got a a, a great uh offensive line they returned everyone from a, a playoff team last year uh a team that last season was was putting the the fear of god into teams late in the fourth quarter, even though they weren't winning the games. They put a scare into Groves, put a scare into Lake Orion, put a scare into Oak Park, um, which Uh kind of laid the groundwork for what was going to happen this season. I'll, I'll, you know, full transparency, I'll admit it, I kind of looked past them in the preseason, and I remember talking to some people that, you know, I consider OAA experts, and I showed them my top 10 uh, before I released it, my Oakland County top 10, and someone said, well, where's Stony Creek? And I said, "Well, why would I put Stony Creek in there?" Frankly, and they said, "Laughingly, he says that." And uh, they said, "Stony Creek could be the the third best team in the OAA," and I dismissed it. And now, two weeks into the season, I think Stony Creek might be the third best team in the OAA <laughs> outside of West Bloomfield and Clarkston. There you go.
0: There you go. And well, Matt, you know, wrong, I, Matt. go ahead.
2: No, at some point, and I'm trying to remember exactly when, we were doing one of the podcasts last year. I can't remember if it was late in the regular season or in the playoffs. But like Scott said, to his point, we were talking about the close losses. Yeah, Stony Creek had five losses last year, but four were by a one-score margin. Seven to home, Adams and Lake Orion. Six to Groves. Biggest loss of the season was by 13 to Oak Park. So they were in every single and they game. Were, they were they up were on in. Oak
1: Park in the fourth quarter
2: in that yeah. game. Yeah, yep. Yep. And they made the playoffs for the first time since 2013, nearly doubled the points they'd scored in 2018. They've already beaten two of the teams that we kind of thought would be contenders in that O.A. White and pretty handily. I mean, yeah, this is one of those teams. I got the same thing, too, when I sent out surveys that, that there were a couple people who said this is a team that needs to be in the top 25. And now two weeks in, they're in the top 25.
0: Well, there you go, and that's the state champs top twenty-five, which you can find at our can website, I, statechampsnetwork.com. com. Hold on, and I just want to get the little promo in there, and then uh, and and what that is is that is Matt Maury's twenty-five in the state, so that's regardless of division. So if you're in that twenty-five, you are definitely a team of note. Go ahead. Let me just add one intriguing storyline before we move
1: on, um, that I was planning on writing about and I haven't, but I want to mention it here. So one of the interesting. You know some of the subtext of that game between North Farmington and uh, Stony Creek was the fact that you had two Hall of Fame head coaches as assistant coaches on each sideline. So you had the the Godfather, John Harrington, who still uh, oh. helps uh, Mill the Thrill run the offense for. North Farmington, even though uh, John Hurstein is the head coach, they all came over from ha- uh, Harrison. So Harrington was like I, I called it like the Pope Mobile because of the uh, COVID, they had him like wrapped in plastic <laughs> oh and like God. surrounded by <laughs> <laughs> yeah. surrounded by the uh, uh the bubble, huh? Yeah. Uh, okay um You know, they they had him encased uh, up in the booth. (laughs) But then on the other sideline, actually on the sideline was Gary Griffith, who's running the defense now for Stony Creek. And Griff was at Troy for 30 years and won a state championship uh, and has that defense um, playing like a bunch of uh, uh, rabid dogs, crazed animals. And uh, this was the first time Griff has ever beaten Harrington. Wow. So, that's something else. Yeah. That's something that's a lot of years. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It was like uh, John Harrington, like had like the plexiglass it, it, around yeah, him. Yeah, that's funny.
0: <laughs> that's you know, I God. I yeah. called it the Pope movie. <laughs> yeah, next time you see that, take a picture. <laughs> right? I think that would be something uh, be yeah. interesting to share. I will say, too, that I think for Stony Creek, uh, this is obviously a huge school. A uh, big community out there in Rochester Hills. I think the turning point for them, talk about legends. They went and uh, even though it was the end of his Lancey. career they hired Bob Lancey, who did so much at Utica Eisenhower for so long, to come in and really establish a tradition, establish, you know, principles of football that uh, that you can win. Yep. And, um, and now Nick Merlo is, there he has goes, taken taking
1: the reins and, you know, he's a Rochester kid. He played at Rochester. Um, and he's just done an excellent
0: job. All right, the other game we want to get to that uh, we covered here on the State Champs Network. Uh, in fact, we live-streamed it on Saturday night. Hopefully, you'd watch it. If not, you want to check it out. I thought that uh, Sean Belisian and Richie Pop did a great job uh, on the call, and that was... Birmingham Brother Ice and Detroit Catholic Central getting once getting together once again at Wisner Stadium, the old site of the, the hallowed grounds. the famous boys bowls that uh, took place there, and uh, one of those games coming in where I think conventional wisdom might say I think Catholic Central is really going to have the upper hand uh, and win this one going away. Well, it wasn't the case. In fact, uh, Birmingham Brother Rice stayed in the contest, although never leading, uh, was right in it till the end. A couple things go their way, uh, a bad snap at the end that uh, caused a turnover. Who knows? Maybe Rice goes for a winning drive. They lose 17 to 12. Uh, What did you learn, Scott and Matt, as you watched it uh, on the live stream version? What did you guys learn about either team in that game? Declan
1: Bile has taken that next step in his progression as a quarterback. Um, He was a sophomore last year that took took over the uh, offense uh, about midway through the season and uh, looked Good, but not great. This year, he looks great. Yeah, he's throwing a a great deep ball. He has command in the, pre, uh, has presence in the huddle, command in the pocket, and uh, is it displaying great field vision? And um, it's got some really nice targets. Sammy Dursa. Uh, Going to Saginaw Valley State, he's the, the senior captain. He's the number one target, but then you got Cam Davenport, who I think is going to have a breakout year in 2020, both uh, as a wide receiver and as a cornerback. He's an athlete that just makes plays. We saw some nice catches as well as a, a really nice interception um, on Saturday, and then uh, Owen Semp, uh, hit, uh, you know, hit hit for a home run um, on about a 50-yard touchdown pass from from Bile in the in the second half. So I was real impressed. Um, by that offense yeah, yeah. The, the revamped offense no doubt throwing the rock yes, you know so, right uh, from the beginning I was it. stunned so Dan Anderson um since he's taken over uh first he brought in Dave Sofran which is still weird for me to see Sofran from the Catholic Central sideline he's a Rice guy yep, and he's still head, there head coach at Rice and they brought him to work with the quarterbacks he's yep. been working with Declan for a couple years and then this past offseason they bring in Kevin Glenn um you know, Catholic League legend from DePores Went on to have a, a, a college, a great college career at Illinois State, and then a, a, a very long, storied career uh, in the CFL. Yeah. Um, actually won the CFL passing title in 2007. I believe he won the Grey Cup. Um, is, Played ins- for every yeah. team.
0: The only player yeah. to
1: play for every Canadian football and team. He's, he's a guy that, you know, in Canada, everyone knows. As, oh, yeah. As this, that kind of like that seasoned vet of a quarterback. Right. And uh, is a disciple of Greg Carter. Yep. You know, and, and has come into to, to his job at Catholic Central. I believe he's he's uh, the admissions director now. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's uh, he's he's also in charge of like the uh, diversity. Okay. You know, about trying to grow that uh, and making sure that, you know, Catholic Central is responsible for, you know, reaching out to some other communities that maybe they wouldn't have an opportunity to yep. go there. And, and you know, the nice thing about being in Catholic schools, they can come up with donations and kind of scholarships and things like that to kind of work out the cost. So, so yeah, growing the electorate.
1: So he uh, he's come on and, and he's really put his handprint on this offense. Yeah. And Declan Bile is, is, you know, reaping the benefits. Yeah, it
0: was amazing, Matt. I'm going to get to you in one sec here. Uh, uh, it was amazing hearing Richie Pop, and I even commented in the game when they said, like, uh, it's amazing how much depth Catholic Central has at wide receiver, <laughs> <I know. laughs> which is something this I is thought that, I would never hear. Words ever. you thought you would never uh, yeah, hear before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt, what would you think?
2: Well, and that's one of all, all, like you talked about, with them revamping the offense and and wanting to throw the ball more. What intrigues me is always what happens when a team gets a lead, especially when they're so tutored and so comfortable with running the ball and being conservative, whether or not they kind of a little bit slide toward going into a shell and running. And you saw that in little bits. I don't think they totally, you know, went back to the, they weren't running the wham every single play. But just kind of what the mentality is of, How long do they keep, you know, attacking downfield when they do have a lead? And so I thought that was the interesting part that I was kind of paying attention to in the second half. Once they did have a lead is, you know, kind of how how aggressive they still were and how much they, you know, because sometimes when when a team's run, a you know more conservative offense for so long that's kind of their comfort zone and so you see them kind of slide back into it when they they feel a little threatened but uh, they they did a good part of still you know, a good job of still attacking downfield it seemed like later and later in that game
1: you know hats off to that defense too for Catholic Central because that's really what in my opinion was the the linchpin the turning point in that game was was in the trenches and uh, Catholic Central. Had six sacks and four hurries. Uh, Sean Field, the defensive end, had two sacks. Mike Badone, two sacks. Um, I love what I'm seeing from the sophomores, Hauser and Courser. Uh, So, you know, smash mouth is a mentality. Um, So they might not be as smash mouth on offense, but they're still going to be smash mouth on defense. And I think Declan Bile uh, summed it up the best when he said, you know, we're still smash mouth. We're just smash mouth with a twist now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it was... Uh, Also history-making for Detroit Catholic Central. They have now won six in a row versus their rivals, Brotherites. That's never happened in the history of this rivalry. And this is a rivalry now where Catholic Central has 34 wins and 30 losses, and there is one tie throughout the history. So amazingly close. But to win six in a row now, they're starting to— open the gap. Now on the other side, Jake Coulter, the brother rice junior quarterback had a pretty good job. You know, he is a tall drink of water, uh, but he has a baseball scholarship that, uh, he will be Kentucky. uh, Yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, we saw his arm and we saw him make some, some big plays and, uh, and the, the, uh, you know, the Catholic Central defense, as Scott alluded to, uh, was coming after it. Uh, I will say there are a couple players on the Brother Ice side that you just love to see get the ball on offense. Rocco Melia is one. And Cole Lacanaria is the other and one. And Cole Lacanaria made two touchdown runs. Where he just... Uh, uh, where literally it was it was almost like watching Kyler Murray yesterday and when he scored yeah. his touchdown. It's like you cannot believe all of a sudden he made something out of nothing. Yeah, and he looks like he should be in seventh grade. Yes. Just, he like, is his bro- just like his brothers yes. before
1: him, Shane, who quarterbacked the state championship team, and Corey, who was a wide receiver on a couple state championships teams. You know, they're baby-faced assassins. And, uh, you know, Cole Lacanaria, like, you know, he catches the ball. He's, you know, 5'9", and 30 pounds dripping wet and and the next thing you know he's zigging and zagging and shaking and baking his way through all those big boys in the the catholic
0: central defense and he's going to the house and he did it it twice yeah one literally he stopped (laughs) yeah he was completely stopped and then he literally turned on the jets and blew past everybody and then then rocco
1: Rocco is just such an underrated playmaker um, a guy that does it on both sides of the ball, whether it be as a wide receiver, slot back, or as a safety on defense. You know, his dad, Mark Milia, uh, started at Michigan for Bo. Or uh, Sorry, I think it was for, for Moeller. I apologize. I think Bo recruited him, right? and then he started for Moeller. Um, and then Jay Coulter, like you mentioned, uh, a, a baseball kid that I think could easily be getting some Division one quarterback offers before the end of the season. He showed me a lot in these yeah. first two games. He threw for about 175 in the opening uh, week win against De La Salle. And then uh, in the game on Saturday, he threw for 265, um, two touchdowns and
0: looked good doing it. Yeah. And brother rice lost one quarterback, the quarterback they right. should have had. Ryan to, Brown was to Florida, be the, but Ryan Brown was more of like an athlete. Okay. Um, so they might've moved him around. I think he
1: would have been moving okay. around and Coulter was so got snaps, but it looked like Brown was going to take the job right. uh, when the season stopped or when the, season was postponed and then ryan left for florida and then jake took the job and yeah. jake's been uh you know it's got the wind in his back and it's just playing some really really good quarterback
0: right, right. and to brother rice's uh credit they uh did were missing some key guys their running back was out their center was out tight end uh yeah tight end you know they had some uh you know some covid issues so uh hey they hung in there they've got orchard lake same areas this week and we'll talk a little bit about some of the games we're looking forward to for week three at the end of the show matt are there any other games around the state that took place this weekend you I just want to comment on.
2: Well, I think one of the ones that may have been a little eye-opening. I mean, obviously the the Belleville score was eye-opening, and I think that was a statement. When I think East Lansing had a statement when yeah, with yes. River Rouge. Where where Rouge came on the road, and obviously that, that turned a lot from last year's championship team. And East Lansing, we knew had talent. I mean, obviously you've got one kid going to Michigan State and, and Ethan at, at tackle, and you've got Ethan Boyd at tackle, and you've got Andrell Anthony who's going to Michigan. But they kind of get lost sometimes, I think, in their own league because they've been neck and neck with DeWitt for so long that you know they don't necessarily get the the respect they deserve. And they, from everything I've read they harassed the heck out of that River Rouge offense, forced, I think, forced second-half turnovers and and kind of kept control of it. Rouge managed to, you know, slow down L Anthony. I think he still had three catches for for about 84 yards, but that opened up other things. And then you had, you know, other kids who were able to, to kind of step into the gap. And, you know, Asher Gregory, the running back, ran for 115 yards and two scores. And, you know, that's that's a, a pretty big—they weren't able to play opening week. They were one of those teams that had a COVID cancellation. So, it, you know, they were even further behind the eight ball in getting on the field and getting everything installed. And and then, obviously, the, the other team in the CAC he didn't want to get left behind. Dewitt just absolutely. I mean, that Dewitt offense is looking like it's going yeah. to be unstoppable. They yeah. put up sixty four points on a good Grand Ledge program, right? And they had Tyler Holt, you know, threw for a school record four hundred and five yards, five touchdown passes, and then on the other end of of his passes, you had Tommy McIntosh who caught eight of them for a school record two hundred and forty five yards, four scores. I mean, that's just. Those are impressive numbers, however you split it. And then we yes. were talking a little bit about kind of the jostling we're going to have in in some of the bigger leagues. With, with you know, the CHSL Central, you had Orchard Lake St. Mary's opens up with a big win over Wild Lake Western. And then the next week, De La Salle gets them, you know, 21-13. Orchard Lake St. Mary's, and now got a brother Rice team that's trying to bounce back, and a lot of, you know, everybody it seems like is one and one, with the exception of Catholic Central, who's two and zero, but only one and zero in the Central. You know, it's it's going to be, it's going to be. And they've another, got De
0: La Salle this week. O so
2: yeah exactly it's going to be another week or so and even even after next week we may not know because we'll have you know some two and one and one and two teams and then the mac red is just is is fun to watch with some of the scores have been so close especially with stevenson b dakota as you mentioned twelve seven. just a, a defensive next up they've got a chip valley team that's been kind of the top dog in the mac red over the last you know three four years gross point is the team that i'm interested i was interested to see how they were going to handle the move up to the mac red you know they're they're predicated on defense as well and they've been winning some close games beat eisenhower 17-7 and pretty all of a sudden you you look at who the you you said gross point south
0: right that was what i'm yes yes, okay sorry you got cut off it was just the, the connection
2: and and Up next, they've got a Dakota team that we thought would be right in the mix. And so it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks still again in in the MAC red. And a couple other ones that I wanted to mention, just looking at at scores, obviously we had uh, um, first week of the season, Livonia Franklin beat Fordson on a very, very close, I believe it was a one-point game. And I thought, okay, well, maybe, I, you know, Franklin had been one of those teams getting a little bit of preseason buzz. Well then they got they they got beaten last week by uh Westland John Glenn squad 35-31 and you you think okay well where did that come from? Well Calvin Griggs who took over the Westland John Glenn program that's a program that's gone 10 and 35 over the past 5 seasons. They scored 70 points last season in nine games that was a a program that you know it it just it's going to be a big rebuilding process but calvin griggs is a guy played at washington state back in the day he bounced around the cfl a little bit had a cup of coffee in the nfl that was kind of his mo his calling card out in oregon he took a couple places you know from five and five to eight and four in the playoffs Playoffs and a squad from zero and nine to eight and two the next season, he he's kind of had that mo, and it's already being noticed a little bit in the KLA East. I know J- Jermaine Crowell was kind of doing some film study, it looked like, and was kind of like, "Dang!" I mean, he's he was almost excited by the fact that they had somebody. You know, Gregs runs kind of a West Coast offense, so you know they're they're going to score some points, and he was you could tell that Jermaine was all kind of excited about the fact that Wesleyan John Glenn was going to be. Game That was going to give them a little bit more of a challenge in a couple of weeks. And then another game that I thought was interesting was uh,
0: just one more. If you can
2: one more. Yep. Yep. This is the last one Breckenridge and and reading played replayed their D8 championship game from a couple of uh, years ago. Both of them had to replace games that were canceled by, by COVID concerns. And so they kind of threw it together pretty quickly. Reading obviously lost both of the Affolter brothers who went on to uh, to play at Hillsdale. But yeah. they led 30 nothing at the half before winning 52-20. to And that's a Breckenridge team that I think everybody thinks is going to be right in there in, in D8. So people may think that the Reading run is over in D8, but uh, I'm not so sure about that necessarily
0: yes we shall see we shall see always very interesting this this year is just so up in the air uh, due to yeah. the fact that uh, you know the the lack of games and you know all these uh, you know everybody makes the playoffs it's going to be really wild you know uh, who's playing the best when we get to week seven which is the first week of the playoffs really crazy sure. hey guys we talked about it at the beginning of the show the MHSAA needs officials you can sign up here's a little information on how you can become a registered official The love of the game draws us to sports as players, coaches, spectators, and officials. For officials, it's a way to stay in the game they once played, to feel the thrill of putting on the uniform, stepping out of the playing surface, hustling to make the call, and building the relationships which can only be built in sports. If you still have that love for the game, we always need new officials. Register now at mhsaa.com. A message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. Okay, we're back now with State Champs Extra Point. I'm Lauren Plant, Matt Mowry, and Scott Bernstein also here. We've got a couple more things we want to get to before we say goodbye for this week. And one is an update in our State Champs Mr. Football and our State Champs Anvil competitions. Uh, These are both presented by Hungry Howies very proudly. Thank you very much, Hungry Howies. And uh, again, as we said, there's a lot of unpredictability maybe happen with the football season. Well, that certainly could translate into our Mr. Football race. Uh, And it really is going to depend on, uh, you know, if some of these guys are going to get the kind of attention uh, that, um, you know, maybe they would in a normal year or, you know, uh, Donovan Edwards is the one that comes to mind. We're not sure how much he will play this season. Uh, What he has done. He's he's going to play. He's just, you know, you're going to see him
1: every other you know
0: every right. other snap as opposed right. to every snap. Right, right, right. So it'll be so he's going to have to make the most with his carries as he did yeah. in uh, in his week one matchup. I know he only had a few carries, but they were for scores. So uh, if that's how it continues, but here's the top ten we have now: Brendan Sullivan, Don uh, Adam Davis, and the quarterback Donovan Edwards just mentioned. Running back West Bloomfield, Zach Trainer, the quarterback at Wald Lake Western. They had a big rebound. Yeah, in finally week. A Trainer and yeah. that mm-hmm. offense
1: got moving, and yeah. he threw for three fifty in his normal. You know, four yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, it was
0: good. Andrew <laughs> yeah. Anthony and Marianne Robowski went head to head, and it was clearly East Lansing who came out on top in that one. Uh, and that is, um, you know, due to, uh, you know, again, the unpredictability we're going to see. I would never have called that in a million years when we saw that score. Uh, Jace Williams, very ta- talented uh, wide receiver out of Grand Rapids Catholic Central. Tyson Davis, the Goodrich wide right receiver and defensive back from good, uh, from Goodrich. Tyson Davis. DJ Stepney out of Macomb, Dakota. Uh, and again, Dakota's one of these teams that I think is going to be right there at the end. Christian Reed, we talked about at the beginning. He's definitely playing like he wants Mr. Football. That is for sure. Dante Mora out of Martin Luther King, of course, uh, Uh, The sophomore quarterback there. Remember, this is not a senior laden award. You can win it in any class. And again, Marion Rabowski, as I mentioned. So that's our top 10 right now. Uh, I think what we'll probably do as we get into our conversation this week is maybe start mentioning some watch list guys. uh, Because uh, again, some of these, if uh, they don't step up, others are. And when guys are having, as Matt mentioned, four hundred yard performances uh, here or there, and you know some of these other guys that are really stepping up, uh, we could certainly see some shakeups in our top ten.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a fluid list, and that's what I think makes the award so great. You could be the front runner in week one, and then you know by week nine in a normal season, you're you're yeah. not in the discussion anymore. This is very. And well, I think some
2: of them. Yeah, I I think some of them are going to end up you know as we mentioned with Donovan and just kind of the personnel situation and then with Brendan Sullivan who blew up last year and was throwing the ball all over the field they've been running the ball a heck of a lot more I mean he had good numbers this week it was 9 of 18 for 152 yards rushed for 70 yards and a score but Davison ran for 481 yards as a team and it was you know more Carter Cried and then the running back who had 5 scores against Grand Blanc so it was almost like okay well this is working better so why why force you know the ball in the air but yeah we did have some some guys that were a little little stifled this week as we mentioned andrell anthony was, was slowed down a little bit tyson davis was slowed down by ortonville brandon he had i think three catches for 15 yards and, and dj stepney over 100 yards rushing added one catch and, and and blocked a field goal had a pass defense on defense uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Jace Williams had seven catches for 141 yards, but yeah, there weren't there other than Christian do there weren't a whole lot of, Oh my gosh, numbers from, from the Mr. Football candidates this week. I thought the interesting one was when we talked about the Anvil award, we had two of the linemen get interceptions this week. Rocco Spindler got one. Oh, wow. and, yeah. And, uh, um, from, uh, our, 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 defensive tackle name from, uh, Belleville um, pulled one Damon, down Damon as well. Payne. Yeah, Damon Payne uh, pulled one. He just kind of floated to the sideline with the quarterback, reached up when when uh, he threw the ball and, and tipped it to himself. So, yeah, the interceptions are going to be hard to come by as the stats that we're going to rate our uh, Anvil guys on, but both of them have one after this week.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah, that's also going to help. And let me tell you something. You can have a say in who stays in the race. Let's say we don't think Andrew Anthony is is really playing up to Mr. Football caliber and we think somebody else should replace him in the competition. Well, you know what? Right now, we wouldn't be able to do that. Why? Because he is leading the online vote. He has 3,099 votes. That is almost 1,500 more than Brendan Sullivan does right now. What that means is he can't be removed for any. He could get injured. And we couldn't remove him because he's a leading vote getter. And that's how it works. So if you feel you want to weigh in on your favorite guy and you want to get them the votes that they need so they stay in, even if they have a couple off weeks, but you want to keep them in the Michigan Mr. Football Contest, go to statechampsnetwork.com, click on the Contest tab and vote for Mr. Football. All right, we're going to switch over uh, quickly before we wrap here and let's get to what's happening uh, in the Amble Award. We did already just kind of uh, allude to the fact that uh, we had a couple make some offensive plays, but that's not what this award is about. It's about awarding the top lineman or linebacker in the state. Right now our current top 10 sits at Damon Payne at a Belleville. We just mentioned Rocco Spindler. We just mentioned at a Clarkston Giovanni el We mentioned him earlier in the show. Sterling Heights Stevenson, Rayshon Benny out of Oak Park, Garrett Dellinger out of Clarkston, Raheem Anderson out of Cass Tech, Jamari Budden or Budden out of Belleville. How do you say his name? Is it Budden? Uh, Budden. 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 Okay, to make sure I say it right. Uh, You've got these nicknames like Boom Boom (laughs) and stuff. Jamari Budden out of Belleville. Boom Boom Budden. We'll just start to go there. Uh, Caleb Tiernan out of Country Day. Uh, Ruquan Buckley out of Godwin Heights. And Carson Briggs out of Traverse City Central. And again, these are linemen or linebackers. And uh, I think we did get an email that uh, they took a little umbrage to your Requam Buckley, a uh, description in your evidence. Did you see that, Matt? I think I forwarded yes, that I on yep. to you. Okay. Yep. All right. I think it was his mom or somebody who was like, they didn't, they didn't appreciate being called lanky or whatever in his description. Like he's filled out now, right. you know? And so you're, you're, uh, you're stifling his, his uh, recruiting. Yes. His recruiting. Right. I don't know, but he's in the competition. That should help your yes. recruiting uh, very much. Yep. Um, but as as you see these guys, you know, uh, as you guys have seen some of these players uh, over the years and this season, uh, again, this is a who's who of of talented, talented players that I see uh, several, and I mean more than one, playing on Sundays in the future.
1: <laughs> well, and it, it, if it kind of goes with the trend what we were talking about last week, I mean, this has been a, a, a renaissance of line play in the state of Michigan in the last you know, couple of
0: years where you just have why is
1: that? blue chip after I wonder blue chip why after that blue is. chip.
0: What are your thoughts, man, on that? Why, 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 are, why are we having such quality linemen here in the state of Michigan? I mean, LSU. Well, I mean, the big schools yeah. coming after them. Alabama. Alabama, I mean.
2: Right, I I All think in just in general, not not necessarily specific to the state of Michigan, but you just have bigger kids. Right. I mean, when we talk right. about Rukwan Buckley at six foot six, and you know he's listed at two sixty, he's probably a little bigger than that, two seventy five even. For our list, it's it's you know most of these kids are more built like Rocko at six five, 305, or Damon Payne is you know six foot five and and just under 300 i mean i i remember back in 1990 and on, on our class a football team we had one 300 pounder on the line and it's just right. bigger kids we had now. one too now, we only I, had I one yeah and, and I know that that's, that's a nationwide thing. I mean, humans are just bigger now than they used to <laughs> yeah. be. But I th- I think, it's, it's, think so it's always been, you know, and, and it, it ends up being kind of a tradition, too. I know Rockford has put out a bunch of, you know, offensive linemen over the years. That in, Once you have that as part of your program, like you mentioned with, with Stony Creek, Stony Creek has a number one overall draft pick, you know, mm-hmm. on the offensive line, even though he was kind of a tight end offensive tackle in, in high school. in in Big Fish, it's one of those, once you build that tradition at your school, that becomes kind of one of your thing. And, you know, and, and I think we've got some of those, when you get those big kids and they're playing football year round and training for it, you get these big dancing bears. I mean, they're not just big sloppy, you know, 300 pound guys that are all flab. These are chiseled guys that are you know large humans and once yes. you have that that coupled training i don't i don't know what specifically about michigan has brought that out but we really have had you know this this run of of offensive linemen over the last you know half dozen years and it's interesting
1: to to track the ebb and flow because as there's been an uptick in, in lineman prospect there's probably been a downtick in running back and quarterback prospects sure now receivers yep. Uh, We've had some really, really, really strong receiver prospects over the years, but in terms of offensive skills positions, as the big nasties have risen, um, there's been a little bit of a a, a downtick in in the, the, the real high quality prospects at running back and quarterback here.
0: Well, there you go. And as as far as the voting goes, Rocco Spindler killing it. His fan community, of course, he's going to Notre Dame. I uh, talked to his dad, Mark, and I know that because uh, I've got a story I'm doing on Rocco coming up, uh, especially the family connection to football that runs uh, generations deep in the Spindler family. Uh, They said they're all getting getting after it, all want him to win the the anvil. If you win the voting, just so we're clear, whether it's Mr. Football, it doesn't guarantee you anything. What it does, though, is gives you a 20% advantage over everybody else. Rocco Spindler uh, at at, uh, over 4,450 votes uh, right now. Carson Briggs about 2,000 behind that. So uh, they're, his fan, his fans are getting out there and, and we appreciate it. And it does matter. So uh, make sure you check it out. All right. So uh, vote for you guys. StateChampsNetwork.com. Vote for both. Okay, guys, as we wrap up, a few more minutes here of the program. What are some games we're looking forward to this week? And I can tell you State Champs will be live streaming another football game. It is Brother Rice again. We will be back at Wisner Stadium because we just can't get enough of it. For the Saturday night affair between Birmingham Brother Ice and Orchard Lake St. Mary. Should be a very interesting game. Orchard Lake St. Mary coming off a loss to De La Salle. Brother Ice beat De La Salle. Uh, and so we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, again, I, I expect that to be a close matchup. West Wilfield Clarkston. I mean, yes. that,
1: that's what I'm most mm-hmm. excited for on, on Friday night. Um, probably the clash for the OA Red title right there. And, yep. you know, two of the. The top 10 teams in the state, um, the two best teams in Oakland County, got to go, you know, stand in the center of the ring and and exchange blows. It's going to be a slugfest. Uh, I I look for Clarkston sophomore running back Ethan Clark to try to one-up that dynamic duo uh, in the backfield for West Bloomfield in in, uh, Donnie Edwards and Dylan Tatum. But uh, Ethan Clark is a guy that is really picking up a lot of steam, um, rushing the football and he comes out of that same Clarkston mold of of the Erickson boys. Um, that, you know uh, Nolan and Ian Erickson, who who are, you know crucial parts of those uh, state championship teams. And uh, I, I just think Ethan Clark is a star in the making in the backfield for Clarkson. I'm eager to see him. Mike DePillo. Uh, Their quarterback is, you know, a real diamond in the rough, in my opinion, a kid that will be playing on Saturdays, hopefully in the Big Ten. Um, And then Logan Forbes broke out last week as uh, the number one receiver Had two touchdowns, looked really good, had to step in for Justin Buckman, who was their number one receiver who took off to go play in Tennessee when we had our uh, three week hiatus. Obviously, Rocco and Garrett and uh, that offensive line is just uh, a monstrosity uh, along with uh, um, Ben Haas and, and Owen Foster and, and Cole Dellinger along with uh, Garrett and, and Rocco. So,
0: yeah, Gross Point it. South in Dakota, which you uh, you mentioned yep. earlier, that's going to be this weekend. So that that should be uh, another fine contest. And the Boys Bowl on Sunday, which will be De La Salle Catholic Central at the Elm. Yeah, you're really gonna kind of see where the uh, the central division is going to lie. Anything else, Matt, that uh maybe uh tickle just your gonna fancy? mention?
2: Yeah. The other, the other big game in the Mac Red is, is obviously Chip Valley at Stevenson. And it's going to be kind of a moving day in, in the Mac Red. You've got, right. you know, the two one and one teams that are trailing the two two and O teams, you know, and we'll see coming out of that week, who's still a contender. And then over on the west side of the state, I think one of the interesting ones is Grand Rapids Catholic Central versus Cedar Springs. That should be one of the good ones in the OK gold uh, conference that Cedar Springs, one of those real good programs that kind of flies under the radar and obviously everybody knows what Catholic Central has done with their high flying offense over the last couple of years.
0: That's right. And you've got Notre Dame Prep and Country Day, the two yeah. independents yes. uh, yep. going at it. So, uh, you know, that that's that's going to be interesting to see, especially when they both compete in the same division uh when yes. we get to, to playoffs. the playoffs, you know. Uh they're both dif- division 4 teams. Should I you know, I as I haven't noticed, has there been any shifts in teams jumping you know division three division two this year sometimes king is in two or they're in three or muskegon and vice versa
2: yeah there was there was about a i think 15 teams is what the mhsa said when they came out with the the revamped playoff uh Scenario on Friday was that there were 15 that had to replace teams that were not playing this year, so I've, I believe there were 507 teams total um, in in the playoffs that are playing football this fall. So yeah, there were there were about 15 teams that ended up being nudged down a little bit. Uh, I think Brother Rice was one of the ones that went from from D two to D three, and you know you saw okay. that a little bit. I think uh, a couple of teams. Uh, Dropped down, uh, you know, a notch or two. I had a couple of teams that were in the rankings as one division as of last week, and, and dropped down one more slot. So it, it, there were there were you know, a little bit over uh, two dozen, or a little bit over uh, a dozen uh, teams that ended up having to drop down a little bit.
0: All right, fantastic! All right, guys. Hey, another great show. Really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you check out everything State Champs Michigan has to offer. Of course, if you're into uh, you know high school football. Uh, We have another show called Extra Point that is a show that features highlights, and not just from Michigan, Ohio, Indiana. There were some great games in Ohio and Indiana this weekend. It's called Extra Point. You can check it out uh, on the server right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, just just a lot of great football going on. State Champs is just not about the state of Michigan. Uh, We love Michigan, but uh, we got a lot of love for these other states, and we're really growing and expanding. So check out that content and enjoy it. Of course, uh, let us know if you have something you want to hear us talk about here on the program. Otherwise, we will see you next time on State Champs Extra Point. Bye-bye.